RTHK News. It's one o'clock on Benche. The headlines. Civil servants threaten industrial action unless the government scraps the extradition bill and investigates allegations of police brutality. Long queues and more commuter disruption after a breakdown on the East Rail Line. And North Korea ups the pressure by firing two projectiles into the sea to the east of the Korean Peninsula. Civil servants from more than 40 bureaus and departments have issued an open letter threatening industrial action if the administration continues to ignore demands to scrap the extradition bill and investigate allegations of police brutality. More than 235 civil servants, including civilian staff from the police force and RTHK, signed the letter that's addressed to the chief executive Carrie Lam, the executive council, bureaus and department heads and lawmakers. It called on the government to respond to protesters' five demands to scrap the extradition bill completely, investigate the police's decision to fire weapons at protesters, stop all prosecutions of protesters, stop calling the June 12th protest outside LegCo a riot. It also called for the resignations of Mrs. Lam, Justice Secretary Teresa Chang, Security Secretary John Lee, and Police Commissioner Stephen Lowe. Hundreds of people have been queuing for shuttle buses from Taipo Market to Shatin after train services between the stations were suspended, stranding large numbers of commuters at rush hour. The MTR says it's working to remove a locomotive that was pulling an engineering vehicle but broke down at University Station early this morning. Timmy Song filed this report from Taipo Market. Long queue for the shuttle buses was immediately spotted as soon as I exited ticket gates at Taipo Market Station. But the end of the queue was no end in sight. Scores of staff were busy directing passengers to find the transport they need to leave Taipo, while the taxi stand was also full of people waiting for a cab. The suspension also affected train services elsewhere along the line. The journey from Changsha Station to Taipo Market was supposed to take around 12 minutes, but it took me more than half an hour. The MTR's Chief of Operations Engineering, Dr. Tony Lee, says repair work is underway and he hopes services can return to normal this evening. The wagon was a very heavy wagon, uh, 80 ton in, in weight, and it was uh, off rail at a curved uh, track locations. It added additional difficulties to the recovery. And our staff have to make sure safety first in order to ensure every single checking position inch by inch is safe. And that is the challenge. And the staff is now at the last step in recovery. And we would like to assure that we are doing our utmost to ensure that we are able to complete the recovery before the peak hours this evening. Some passengers were angry that they had to wait hours for a shuttle bus. They complained of people jumping the queue, as well as a lack of clear directions from MTR staff. But this man told Temi Song he was more sympathetic. Yeah, I've been waiting uh, for about an hour and 15 minutes. I think uh, it's fine because they offered the shuttle bus. And I understand the situation because they can't uh, solve the problem immediately. What about the queuing arrangement? It seems a bit chaotic. Yeah, because uh, this is uh, a certain situation, but even there's somebody cuts the line, but most of the employees are still uh, maintaining the people, the crowd. 
Separately, services on the Chinwan line are back to normal after problems of doors caused delays of five to ten minutes between Central and Chinwan this morning. It's the second day in a row that the MTR has had problems with doors. Yesterday, protesters targeted the island line at Admiralty Station at rush hour, preventing doors from closing, disrupting service for about 19 minutes. Former Labor and Welfare Secretary Stephen Tsui has urged the Carrie Lam administration to set up an independent inquiry to look into the extradition legislation controversy and wants police to pursue those behind the Yunlong violence on Sunday. He says he's worried by the ongoing protests and violence, and he's afraid that things will get worse if the government doesn't take concrete action. He says the first priority should be a police investigation into the Yunlong incident, closely followed by the setting up of an independent commission of inquiry. According with the, the political appointment system, I think uh, uh, someone has to step down because of some policy that, uh, failure is part of the system, uh, part of the accountability system. I think that's, uh, that's not a new thing, but I think I'll leave it uh, to the government to consider. But at the moment, this is not the most urgent things to be done. I think the most urgent matters is that the police has to pursue the investigation of the incident on the 23rd of July and to set up independent commission of inquiry to create an atmosphere for rational discussion. The South Korean military says North Korea has fired what appears to be two short-range missiles into the sea to the east of the Korean peninsula. They say they were fired more than 20 minutes apart from a base near the port of Wonsan and traveled more than 400 kilometers. From Seoul, here's the BBC's Laura Bicker. North Korea fired the two short-range missiles from its eastern shore just before dawn. They flew over 30 miles high and a distance of over 200 miles before landing in the Sea of Japan. The South Korean Ministry of Defence said they appeared to be similar to short-range missiles North Korea tested in May, which Donald Trump described as very standard stuff. The US President met Kim Jong-un at the demilitarised zone between the two Koreas just over three weeks ago, and the leaders agreed to restart talks on the North's nuclear programme. President Trump has vetoed an attempt by the U.S. Congress to block billions of dollars in arms sales to Saudi Arabia and its regional allies. Lawmakers voted last week to stop the Trump administration from overriding their objections to the arms sales by designating them a national emergency because of tensions with Iran. The BBC's Chris Buckler reports. The White House issued an emergency declaration in May to try to push through the sale of more than $8 billion of weapons to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates and Jordan. At the time, Donald Trump said he made the decision because of the threat posed by Iran. But members of the Senate and the House of Representatives responded with three resolutions blocking the deals. And among those who voted against the president were some members of his Republican Party, who have been critical of Saudi Arabia's human rights record and raised concerns about civilian casualties in the war in Yemen. Britain's new Prime Minister Boris Johnson will hold his first cabinet meeting today before addressing Parliament. Within hours of taking office, he replaced more than half the cabinet, giving ardent supporters of Brexit greater influence. Mr Johnson has promised that Britain will leave the EU at the end of October, even if that means departing without a deal. The BBC's Rob Watson has more. The message so far from now Prime Minister Boris Johnson to the country and the watching world is that the people who really believe in Brexit are now in charge. Most, though not all, of his senior ministers are Brexiteers, and many of Mr Johnson's inner circle of advisers 
are former members of the successful Vote Leave campaign. That line-up and Mr Johnson's passionate defence of the need to get on with Brexit make this feel almost like the start of a new campaign than the beginning of a new government. Scientists in the United States say the speed and extent of the current period of global warming exceeds any similar events seen in the past 2,000 years. The study looked at data from ice cores and tree rings. The BBC's Matt McGraw reports. For many years, climate sceptics have argued that the current period of global warming that started about 1850 is part of a natural pattern, and the human role in creating it has been exaggerated. They have pointed to events like the Little Ice Age that started in the 14th century to bolster their case. But this new research debunks that theory. Researchers say that tree rings and ice cores show that no single climate event over the past 2,000 years impacted the whole planet in the way that the current warming is now doing. Natural causes are simply not sufficient to explain the heating scene over the last century and a half. The U.S. plane maker Boeing says it may temporarily halt all production of its 737 MAX passenger aircraft if it's grounded for much longer. The plane was taken out of service worldwide in March after two disasters in Indonesia and Ethiopia that together claimed almost 350 lives. The BBC's Jonathan Joseph has more. This is the biggest crisis Boeing has faced in more than a 100 years of making planes. And in all that time, none have sold better than the 737 MAX. This is the first time the company has suggested it may have to completely bring the production line to a halt, albeit temporarily. The chief executive said he would contemplate such a move if there were a substantial change to the October estimate the company has for getting the plane back in the air. Production has already been cut as Boeing focuses on the software fixes that will be needed for that to happen. Facebook has announced better quarterly figures than predicted after it was fined a record 5 billion US dollars by the US Federal Trade Commission for failing to protect users' personal data. The social media giant surpassed market expectations of its revenue and user growth and it reported 2.6 billion US dollars in profit, despite setting aside money for its settlement with the regulator. The BBC's Michelle Fleury has more. When you look at the size of Facebook and its cash flow, which you could liken it to a gushing river, then the amount it's been fined amounts to the kind of money Facebook can generate in one single month. And given how strongly people feel about these privacy violations, they say this is a tiny slap on the wrist. It's nothing for this company. Media in Japan say the carmaker Nissan is about to announce 10,000 job cuts at its factories worldwide. Most of the jobs are expected to be cut at the company's plants in South America. The BBC's Simon Gompertz has more details. Nissan's been in a state of flux since the arrest and ousting of its chairman Carlos Ghosn and growing tension with its French partner Renault. The crisis has coincided with poor sales in North America and across Europe, just as work on electric and self-driving cars has been burning up cash. The company's confirmed that it will report plunging profits in the morning, after newspapers in Tokyo predicted a 90% drop over three months. Tesla shares plunged 10% after the electric car maker reported a bigger-than-expected loss, despite record car deliveries. Tesla reported a second-quarter loss of $408 million U.S. million, or $1.12 a share, far higher than the $0.40 cents a share that analysts had forecast. Tesla said overall revenues jumped 66% from a year earlier to $5.2 billion. It said Model 3 deliveries reached an all-time record of 77,634. The company 
is pinning its hopes on the Model 3 broadening its customer base. South Korean electronics giant Samsung says it will release its cutting-edge foldable smartphone in September despite a trade dispute between Seoul and Tokyo, which analysts say will affect delivery. Samsung had planned to launch the fold in April, but pushed back the release date after early reviewers reported screen problems after just a few days of use. The smartphone giant says it's made improvements to the device since then. Samsung has spent nearly eight years developing the fold in an effort to spark demand. And now to the sports. Here is Atom Jung. Hong Kong's women's swim team have successfully secured another spot in next year's Tokyo Olympics. Siobhan Hawhey, Camille Chang, Ho Nam Wai and Stephanie Au finished 11th in the 4x200-meter freestyle at the World Championships in South Korea. Their time of 8 minutes 4.98 missed the Hong Kong record by almost half a second. But the result was good enough to guarantee Hong Kong a place in both the 100 and 200 meter freestyle relays in Tokyo. Siobhan Hawhey have also made it through to tonight's 100 meter freestyle final after finishing 12th in the preliminary round. Next to cricket, Ireland lead England by 122 runs entering the second day of their one-off tests at Lords. Ireland bowled out the host for just 85 runs on Wednesday with Tim Murta claiming 5 wickets for just 13 runs. Michael McAmey of BBC Northern Ireland says it was a significant accomplishment for Irish sports. This stadium, this ground, the home of cricket, had a huge number of, of Irish fans coming here for the very first time, possibly watching their very first game of cricket. And I mean, I hate to disappoint them, but it's not going to be like this all the time. But this game has, this match has captured the Irish imagination. They've had to wait whatever, you know, 200 years to play it. The levels and the expectations changed right through the day uh, when they bowled England out for 85. 85? I used to play on teams that got bowled out for 85. To cycling and the Italian rider Matteo Trenton broke clear to win the 206km stage 17 of the Tour de France. Julien Alaphilippe retains the race leader's yellow jersey with defending champion Garen Thomas in second place, 95 seconds behind. More from the BBC's Simon Brotherton. Another day on sun-baked roads for the cyclists who face 200 kilometres into the foothills of the Alps. It looked like prime territory for a breakaway and so it proved. An initial 33-rider group gained a sizeable advantage and eventually it whittled down with Matteo Trentin launching a successful loan bid for victory in the closing kilometres to finish just over half a minute clear of Kasper Asgren and Greg van Avermaet. The overall contenders stayed together and tried to save as much energy as possible for the Alpine riggers ahead, finishing 20 minutes behind today's winner. So nothing's changed at the top of the leaderboard with Julien Alaphilippe one minute and 35 seconds ahead of second place Geraint Thomas. Trenton's victory was only the third stage win of his career and his first since 2014. And that's your look at sports. The news from RTHK. Show 